streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Thursday, July the 20th, the year of 2023. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Those of you tuned in with a video monitor of some sort can see the handsome visages of, excuse me, Mark Porter and Bill Curlick. Got on here a few minutes late. That is my problem. I apologize for that. Here's how I'll make it up to you. If you subscribe to this podcast right now, it's free. Think about that. Free subscriptions to this podcast right now. Go to your YouTube, push pause, hit subscribe. If you're on some kind of like uh, Apple, on your podcast, on your phone, etc., hit subscribe. As we talked about every show, ad nauseum, we are in competition with all the other sites for subscriptions. So the bosses like us best. Ohio State, we like to look as the rankings come out. You always want to be at the top. We were at the top last month, thanks to you. So if you have not subscribed, please do so. Today, we are going to start with Bill Curlick, but we'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate him. (laughs) Grandbaby number five was born a boy. Bill, I can only assume the child's name is Marcus Daniel Curlick. (laughs) Not quite. It is uh, actually Calvin James. So now I uh, have one grandson that has my middle name, James, as his middle name. And then my first grandson has William as his middle name. So I feel like I'm two for two there. I will tell you this. Do you guys remember Matt Natalie who used to work here? He named his son Calvin after, can you see? Oh, it's up behind me. Cal Ripken Jr. And we always talk about in our family, if it's a boy, that your son's name has to pass the Yankees third base test, meaning if he lines up playing third base for the Yankees, Cal Curlick. <laughs> that works. Good job, Bill. I hope that, I hope this Cal uh, has a better start than Cal Quantrill is having this year for Cleveland. He uh, is struggled due to injury. That's the real Cal up there, though, as you can see in the background. The one and only Cal Ripken Jr., my all-time favorite athlete. Now that we've digressed, because I know people love it when we're late and we digress and don't <laughs> let Mark talk, let's get rolling. Well, I, I'd rather be uh, grandfather than Grand Pooba. There you go. Yeah, but your eldest is DJ Porter. Is that correct? Yeah, that passes that third base. You, overdid, you kind of overdid that. You were a little bit worried about the skills. When you when you name your kid DJ Porter, you're trying to get him there halfway with the name, and you did a damn good job of that. You know what? We did the, the two grandfathers. My dad's name was Donald, and uh, the other grandfather was Joseph. So 
Yeah, it, it worked out. You know, we get the, the family names and the cool DJ. Yeah, the, the eldest, uh, my son, who's my eldest son, is actually yeah, sixth of the ten grandchildren. But the eldest is JC, James Carlos, named after the two grandparents. So if anybody needed help getting names for their their grandchildren or children on the way, we have now provided you more chatter on that in three and a half minutes than you probably could shake a stick at. Let's get to what you really came here for, and that's these two dudes were in front of a couple guys you may have heard of before, Damarian Witten, Bryce West, and of course Aaron Scott. The other day, Bill, you posted several interviews with these dudes, but let's get to the guy who will be the man of the hour shortly, and that's Aaron Scott. Your crystal ball has been rolling towards Columbus for quite some time. It hasn't rolled with great alacrity. Um, it's been a slow roll, let's call it that, but now that uh, the commitment date is upon us, we're close to it, and you had a chance to talk to him, where do things stand with Aaron Scott, and they better be good or this site will literally melt? Huh. Well, let me start by saying that um, having done this for a few years and gone through as recruits you know, get near their announcement date and all that, sometimes they get uh, a little more difficult to talk with and and all that, you know, they've done it for so long and they're so far through the process. It's about the end. Aaron Scott was not like that at all. He was just, as he's always been, really, somebody very willing to, to do an interview, very good to talk to, and uh, just a pleasant, you know, pleasant guy to, to be around and, and talk to. So kudos first to Aaron for uh, doing yet another interview. I told him, my goodness, this has been a long process. I, I can still remember the first time I spoke to him. He didn't really have any scholarship offers. He was just at the very beginning of his sophomore season. And head coach, Springfield head coach Maurice Douglas, told me at that point, he said, this is going to be my next great one. He said, uh, this is the guy to come down and see. I did. And um, Aaron has been great ever since then. Uh, he is as we talked about, nearing the end of the process. And a, a couple things to keep in mind. Um, there's been a lot of chatter. Is he going to go to Michigan's barbecue? Is he going to go to, which is on July 30th, is he going to be at Ohio State's uh, Summer Fest in the Shoe on July 28th? Might he even go out to Oregon and try to squeeze that in somehow? And basically, he told me that uh, he hasn't made any definite plans, hasn't said absolutely no or absolutely yes. But right now, his feeling is that he probably won't go to any events, that he'll just basically uh, stay home and then go ahead and announce his decision on um, July 30th. My crystal ball stays on Ohio State. It, uh, for lack of trying on uh, Michigan, Oregon's part, it, it's it's not that uh, he couldn't possibly go there because as as he talked about and as I talked with him about after the interview and before it, those schools are still recruiting him hard, just as hard as oh, as they have been recruiting him. So he's still getting hit up. He's still getting all the attention. He's still being recruited. Now all that's left is to announce his decision on July 30th. And again, I still have my crystal ball in Ohio State. He's still got that baby face too. He, he's going to have, he's not going to struggle socially in college. I'll tell you that much. Um, Mark, your thoughts on the day up there? Yeah. Um, when we did the podcast Tuesday, uh, Dan said, you know, this Aaron Scott kind of has a Jalen Ramsey feel to him. 
And I said, here we go. Marshawn Lattimore, Jalen Ramsey comparisons. We're going to compare these guys to the best of the best right out of the gate. Aaron Scott got taller. That's the first thing I saw to Bill. And when I go stand next to him, let's say he's 6'2 plus, which, yeah. It, 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 it was like, I think I yeah. I think I Brew I compared him to, but that's nuts. Yeah, and, and you know. I, I this was like wow this Jalen Ramsey talk or with these taller corners is asinine but boy it's staring me right in the face I can't ignore it now there's a long way to go before you perform like that but is it the part of the problem is not too many guys start off with that big frame a corner um, he's going to be a matchup nightmare for tall receivers because he is a tall receiver uh, he is fluid a, a couple of the first plays I watched him just watched him turn his hips and run down the field. Like, he's a roof over anything that tries to go down the field, and he breaks on balls and knocks him. I mean, he's really going to be a special player. So, right out of the gate, you're just physically impressed with the talent. Uh, I know Bill got to catch uh, Springfield and Glenville playing when he got there, and uh, Springfield won the first game. And Bill got there earlier because Columbus is closer to Youngstown. Uh, so, I got to stick around a little later than Bill, and I saw Glenville play Springfield again, which – that's the whole bottle of wax. You're seeing Witten and these guys go against each other. And some of the highlights of that is one of the very first plays on offense, Springfield kind of said, F it. We're going to go at Bryce West. And they sent a go route down the sideline, and the quarterback just threw it up for grabs, and a kid went up. And, and, I, and this is what I love about high school football. I, these kids look like two kids in the huddle just said, hey, Let's take a chance. It doesn't mean anything today. Maybe we can put one in on the Ohio State kit. And he went up over Bryce West and made the play of the day and caught it in the end zone. And on that same play, I, I want to try to describe this accurately. If you've ever seen a guy go up for a dunk, hold on to the rim too long, and then they start coming down backwards, that's the type of situation West found himself in. But he was tangled in with another body, uh, came down awkwardly on his wrist, uh, of course, collective Glenville Nation took a deep breath, and uh, immediately I'm trying to gauge what type of an injury is this because it didn't look too good. He was around smiling. Uh, I went over to Ted Ginn later with some ice on his wrist and seemed like he was in a pretty good mood. Uh, probably banged up. It didn't look like it was a, I'll be at practice tomorrow injury, but uh, it's nothing I don't think that would keep you out for you know, the season or anything like that. But he definitely went down hard. And what was ironic is a couple plays later, the score was 12 to 10 and uh, Glenville was losing and it was you know, a minute left in the game. They go to Witten in the end zone to win the game and he's interfered with and he gets injured on that play. So he hobbles off the field. Both Ohio State stars are standing on the sidelines. Glenville goes for the next play to win the scrimmage and it's a batted up ball by the defensive backs at uh, Springfield and they win both of them versus Glenville. So there was a little drama, both Ohio State guys going down, last play of the game, um, which is fun for guys covering it. You know, it's, it's not just your standard seven-on-seven. Seven. Uh, when we talk about Witten now, boy, the, the coach is there, and I think Bill was with me when they said it. They like him as a receiver. Like, there is no, hey, we're going to put his hand in the dirt and he's going to go do this. No, he's going to be their number one receiver this year. They're going to use him as a big-bodied, um, DK Metcalf, David Boston, uh, that type of player out there. And boy, he, he has, and this is what they said, and I saw it, you know, two or three times, a catch radius. 
Well, when they got down near the goal line, he took five steps in the end zone, turned around, and they just threw a ball anywhere near him, and he was like a vacuum sucking it in. So they're going to develop his receiving skills. And when he comes into Ohio State, he's going to be ready to go run routes and beat people and you know do that type of stuff. But there was no, hey, we're going to use him to run the ball 35 times a game and get to Shante Jones 200 yards. It's, it's going to be a four-wide offense. Seems to me that's kind of similar to when we talk about guys like Dylan Stewart or even during the recruitment of Elias Rudolph on defense where they stand him up and move him around just because you just want to get him as many reps doing different things as possible. And with Witten, I mean, he's, he's not going to be a wide receiver at Ohio State, but that, that position has kind of hybrided itself out anyway to the Travis Kelsey vibe. I know that's low-hanging fruit for a comparison where you're really just a glorified receiver in single coverage. And I do imagine – I mean, you can line him out wide to the sideline. You're going to put two guys out there? You're going to roll the safety out there? I mean, it's pretty easy for the, the, the offensive play caller to make calls in a high school football game when it's uh, even or odd every play. Yeah, you, you kind of said it. In high school, he is a mismatch, whether it's a corner, safety, linebacker. And Witten's pushing 6'4", six, 6'5", six, now. He's, these guys are all lengthening out as they get older. And, you know, he, he has the look of a tight end, the lower body of a tight end, but yeah, he's doing a good job of running routes out there and, and playing receiver. His legs are really thick now. They're getting thicker and thicker. Um, we were on the podcast on Tuesday, so um, I did not get there in time for the very first play uh, of the game between Springfield and Glenville. I got there about halfway through that first contest. Uh, so that I walk in, the first play I see is Witten lined up kind of in the slot. He runs a post pattern uh, about 30 yards or so downfield. The quarterback just throws it up high, and there's three guys all around Witten, and he just jumps up as high as he could, goes up, grabs the ball, lands on his back at the goal line with the catch. It was it's like first play I get there to see is, is him going up and making a big-time catch over all the others around him. I wouldn't be surprised if that's on cut and paste for the season because when in doubt, throwing it 45 yards in the air downfield to a six foot four tight end headed for Ohio State feels like a play I would be very confident in calling in a high school game. So let's take a quick break here, pay some podcast bills at our 14 minute mark. All right, some commitments coming up, and we're going to talk about some other guys outside the state of Ohio. Bill, quickly, uh, Edwin Spillman, the 21st, this is a linebacker, I believe, from Brentwood Academy in Nashville, deciding between Tennessee and Ohio State. I never for one second thought he was coming to Ohio State. But then, Kingston Viliamu Asa, you know he must be good if I learn that name, <laughs> is committing on Sunday, 2 o'clock West Coast, 5 p.m., good guy time here in the Eastern Time Zone. Please bring us up to speed on both, and obviously don't want to spend too much time on Spillman. Yeah, uh, Spillman, I, you know, that's been an Ohio State-Tennessee battle basically from day one. Um, you know, I, I think it, uh, you know, I expect it uh, to go Tennessee's way, but Ohio State has made this interesting. They've presented a very good uh, uh, case to him of why he should become a Buckeye. You know, I, again. I tend to think that that one's going to go Tennessee's way, but the Buckeyes have made that interesting. Um, as far as Kingston, 
Um, that's, you know, been Ohio State, Notre Dame, and USC for quite some time, made official visits to all three schools. And he's done a good job of, of not telling people if he has even known for very long where he's going to go. He's for a while now, he said he's pretty sure 80, 85 percent, but he kind of went away and has been, um, uh, as he has said, wanting to get away and just reflect on everything and pray on his decision before he actually announces it. That will come on Sunday afternoon, 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And, um, yeah, I think right now my gut feeling uh, just from talking to people and reading the tea leaves is that the order I would go in would be Ohio State, Notre Dame, and USC. Now, I think it's going to, it's been really a hard decision. In fact, I've asked him, you know, how hard has this been? And he's, it's been a really hard decision for him. Uh, and I know there is confidence on the Notre Dame side of things too. They've done a lot of things right in his recruitment, just as Ohio State does. So that one's going to be interesting. You know, I, while I give Ohio State and have given Ohio State a slight edge for some time, it's not one that I am at this point at all ready to put a crystal ball pick in for. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get to the questions here, and Mark, you can start it off with just a little bit of a review because you've done this guy. Brandon Baker, offensive lineman out of California. I don't know this for a fact. I feel like he's the top offensive lineman on the board. I know when I was at the foundation get-together a month or so ago, maybe a little longer than that, uh, Justin Fry was at our table, and he spoke uh, glowingly of, of Mr. Baker. And the, uh, the accolades back it up. It sounds like in a recent interview he said that Ohio State was his favorite visit. Um, does feel like it's kind of an Ohio State Oregon battle, and Oregon, of course, is Nike University. So in the NIL world, you always want to be a little worried about that. Plus, he's on the West Coast. But Mark, a quick scouting report on Baker for people who need their memory refreshed, and then Bill, you can get us up to speed on where his uh, recruitment stands. Yeah, you, you nailed the comparison. I liked is that Tyron Smith from the Cowboys. You know, six four, not the six seven that you think's the prototype, but makes up for it with the long arms and feet and body positioning and quickness and boy his kick step and the way he got out it was as good as i've seen and really of all the films i've watched this year his was the most fluid the most natural the most uh, impressive where he looks years ahead of the rest right now i mean he's really a good looking player there's a reason you know coach fry says he's glow or you said he had a glowing review it, it was just an easy evaluation i feel like i could gush over him where no weaknesses, no, you know, come in and has to do this to, you know, he could be a guy that plays early and plays for a while until the NFL taps him. Bill, I don't get the sense that this is Fry's white whale or, uh, in any sense, but, you know, he's from, he has some California ties coming here from UCLA. And I do get the sense on the boards that he's being judged by Bucknutters on whether or not as a new guy, as a new guy on the staff and his recruiting chops, as to whether or not he gets Baker. Yeah, uh, as Dustin Fry has said, he's not going to recruit somebody that he has no chance to land. And he's been recruiting Brandon Baker really hard. He obviously feels there is a very realistic chance that Baker will end up at Ohio State. And, and I did a prediction update way back uh, 
shortly after he made his official visit to Ohio State. At that point, he was in the middle of an official visit to Texas, and I, I had Brandon Baker to Ohio State at that point. Uh, if I absolutely had to make a prediction right now, I still would have him to Ohio State. But the one, I guess, caution I would throw out there is I've talked to some people in California that are pretty darn close to Brandon Baker. They don't really know where he's going. Uh, they kind of agree the vibe would maybe be towards Ohio State. But as I've been told, he's a bit unpredictable. You know, one person told me uh, uh, while he doesn't have a date set to announce yet, said it wouldn't shock me if he just uh, all of a sudden announced his decision. He's just not the most predictable guy in the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, you've got Ohio State, you've got Oregon, Texas, uh, Nebraska now has their hopes up a little bit. I don't see him going there. Uh, I do think in the end, it uh, there's a great chance it's Ohio State or Oregon. Um, and I do like still, if I had to put a pick in right now, I would make my pick for Ohio State. But again, he's not even announced the so-called announcement date yet. He's really good, man. I mean, that would just be a huge commitment. I can't even put into words. The I, the content, I mean, it comes from a factory program too out in California. It would, that's the kind of recruit, you know, that's a Paris Johnson Jr. recruit to me where they recruit the next guy because of their signing bonus in the NFL. Uh, Mike, that clear there. So, um, yeah, just a, just a big time, big time recruit. And, you know, you, you put him in with the two Armstrong brothers. Ian Moore, who I think is going to be a beast, and I like the Armstrongs a lot too, and Mark uh, Navy, that that would be a fisum that, uh, boy, you could, uh, you're going to win a lot of games with, with uh, bringing in guys like that. It'll buy Justin Fry a front row pass for about a week. Just kidding. Um, Thomas Thompson, Tommy T, Grand Poobah. I grew up 30 miles south of Youngstown. He's talking to you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> what kids in that area do you think could be Ohio State targets? And I assume we can expand the net a little bit if you need to get Hoban involved. Yeah, I mean, when he says 30 miles south of here, there aren't many Ohio State targets down there. Um, yeah, Hoban's a factory in itself. They're kind of like the Glenville or Lakota West right now. They've been putting out some high quality players and there's a couple, the Peyton, uh, the receiver Peyton, it's a freshman going to be a sophomore, uh, the Sam Greer. There, there's a couple guys there in Youngstown. I don't know if we have an Ohio state guy coming up yet. Uh, Fitch and Chaney have some really good looking players that are younger. Um, I'll be looking at some kids at Ursuline and Mooney. Mooney's got some speed in the, the, the defensive back that might have some, you know, possibilities, but there might be a few Kentucky offers in the area, but there's nothing that's, you know, peaking Ohio state's head. But like I said, that's why the season starts. And I go look at these kids, uh, trying to think if there's an, anyone in Canton right now that we're looking at. I just saw Glen Oak yesterday and, they have a, a kid, Bert, with the last name, had a nice day against Glenville and made some plays, but I don't think he's big enough. Uh, I know I'm kind of spitballing here over Cam McKinley, the McClellan kid at linebacker. I know he's been at the Ohio State camps. Uh, you know, about week three or week four, as I get around a little bit, the, these kids that haven't played, 
will start to pop up and, you know, I'll start getting emails and phone calls from coaches. Hey, I think we got something on the hook here. Uh, and and just, let's just talk about recruiting right here. A lot of the coaches, high school coaches, won't say, hey, I have an Ohio State guy until they know. And right now, kids coming out of freshman or sophomore year from last year, it's hard to know what they're going to do. And that's how far ahead Ohio State is. You know, like this senior class, I doubt we'll see an Ohio State kid pop up senior year. Maybe, maybe the Ohio State maybe does that every now and then. But when you're looking at ahead, there's not enough data on these kids to really uh, – if there was an Ohio State kid in the area, he'd have an offer right now because myself, Ohio State, all the other colleges have thoroughly ripped apart Ohio in the last, you know, six months. So it's not until this season produces new film and new, you know, you know, how do I say it? Uh, new information, but we can make a new prediction. That's, that's not a great answer. I know, but that's, no, that's kind of, yeah, a way of saying, Hey, if, if there is, nobody knows who he is. Cause really everyone in the world's just torn through this area. So the offers are out. Well, there's no guarantees any year you're going to get an Ohio state level caliber player in any town in Ohio. I mean, it's this is how I feel about Ohio State football recruiting. It's kind of like when you go to a uh, high school basketball game and there's a Division One player in the game, you shouldn't need a program to figure out who it is. It should jump yeah. off the screen. If you go to a football yeah. game and there's a guy playing, you're like, who's the Ohio State guy? He ain't an Ohio State guy. You know, maybe you know, maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a better way to answer it. Is there's a corner at Toledo Central Catholic, and I can't remember his name, but. He was as good as any freshman I've seen all year. And the college coaches agreed. None of them offered him. And they all said this is as good as a player we've seen all year. They're all waiting like I would for some tape before they go crazy on the kid. So I have kids like that in my head that maybe he's like, oh, what's that kid's name? And what's that kid's name? Well, well these are just kids that we all, you know, look good one day for 25 minutes. And we said, okay, that, that has all the – the prior markings of a great player, but yeah, I, I'm not one to anoint. You know, you, if you've yeah. been following the podcast, I'm scared to say Marshawn Lattimore, and you know, I'm going to anoint a kid this good that this soon. So, yeah, the, there's kids, but uh, homework has to be done. Go, going back to something Mark said, um, he said, you know, wait till week three, week four of the high school season uh, to see some of these kids and all. Um, that's coming right down the road here for us. I mentioned this last podcast. Uh, uh, these podcasts uh, are, are going to be really good coming up, too. We've got all these announcements coming up, and we haven't even talked about some guys. Dylan Stewart uh, hasn't had a, doesn't have an announcement date yet. Kobe Black from Texas doesn't uh, have an announcement date yet. Um, K.J. Bolden does have a date to announce. Edward Houston does. Um, then we are now less than a month away from the opening weekend of Ohio high school football. That would be August 18th this year. Uh, I know Mark and I are going to be out on the road seeing games, seeing these kids uh, that Ohio State is recruiting every weekend. Uh, there's going to be a lot besides the announcements, besides the decisions from these 2024 kids. There's going to be a lot, uh, a lot to talk about in the coming weeks on these podcasts and to read on Bucknuts because high school football is here almost in Ohio. It's uh, just, uh, like I said, it's a less than a month away from kickoff. And, and you know, I'm just uh, I'm thinking about my process. Maybe this will help answer the question. After the, uh, during the season, I kind of get like a, 
a chart in my head of where everybody's ranked, and then I watch all the film, and that blows up the chart in my head. Because, oh, I saw him that night, he looked good, but there's not a body of work there. Or I saw him that night, he looked bad, but wow, when I wasn't there, he was balling out. Now, I do all the rankings after the season, after all that film, and I feel pretty good. Here, here's what they are. I always joke on June 1st when those kids hit college camps, I tell the coaches, my rankings will be blown up in the next two weeks. Anything I thought I knew uh, will be different. Kids are two inches, 20 pounds different. They're going to run times. They're not going to run times. So when June's over, I kind of do a re-ranking. Here's what I saw, stock up, stock down. The next time, you know, okay, when I get done with June, which is right about now in July, I feel pretty good about my rankings. I just reshuffled the whole deck again. Everything I know will be blown up again, like Bill said, in the next three weeks. You know, we'll go out on the road and I'll say, ah, that kid I saw up at uh, Toledo Central Catholic, boy, he doesn't tackle a soul. You know, they ran through him like a freight train. I thought he was one of the you know, going to be one of the best, you know, I'm just spitballing. But that's the process. So right now I'm at one of those influx times where it's all about to get blown up again. Think about the changes. Like T Tavian St. Clair, how much he changed in one yeah. year. It took him a year. Unbelievable. Yeah. But on the other hand, Demarion Witten, we saw him at Ohio State's camp approximately a month ago. And one of the first things Mark and I said when we looked at Demarion Witten uh, on Tuesday, you know, about a month later is he just looks bigger. His legs are thicker. You know, it just, uh, it just seemed like he looked like a different guy almost in a month's time. And uh, that does happen. It does. Happen. To me, to me, uh, Bryce West and Aaron Scott were the same person for a while. They were both six foot, 190 pounds. Aaron Scott's way bigger now, way bigger. And it, 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 it happened in the last six, eight, ten months or something. And that's this age. That's what a weight room will do. That's why we have to – that's why these star rankings are changing. And, you know, it's called recruiting. But uh, I, I could talk for days on why or whatever and you know, limited sample sizes and are we making decisions too soon before kids are actually developed and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, the Witten and Aaron Scott just this the other day were totally different than the last times I've seen them. I believe the term is inexact science. All right, last question. And Bill, we obviously know being of the wooden faith, you would never put a shekel on an athletic event. But <laughs> hypothetically here, with Dylan Stewart, KJ Bolden, Aaron Scott, and Edric Houston, if the over-under was set at two and a half, would you take the over or the under on commitments? I don't, oh, I'd have to go. I don't need to explain how to do the over-unders to you, Bill. I know that. <laughs> I I uh, I would go with the over right now on those guys because I've got three of them crystal ball to Ohio State right now. I've got Aaron Scott crystal ball to Ohio State. I've got Edric Houston um, crystal ball to Ohio State and Dylan Stewart crystal ball to Ohio State. So I'd go with the over right now. Um, Bolden, I don't have crystal ball to Ohio State. Um but that doesn't mean I don't think he could end up there. Mm. Uh, as I've said, you know, he uh, he had a great official visit to Ohio State, and I'm not ruling that one out. So, but based on my crystal balls, I would go with the over at this point. But again, this is recruiting, and this is the NIL world, yeah. and things could change on the drop of a dime, so to speak. So we will end on that high note. Keep in mind, people to tune into the boarding house today. We will have an Edric Houston update in there. That one's getting a little bit hairy. So we appreciate these dudes stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters.
Thank <laughs> you.